Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Raptors 2K Podcast brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. This is episode 13, okay? Lucky number 13. Not Friday the 13th, but episode 13. So it's going to be good vibes for sure. And we've been off for a little while, but we're back at it. Your boy, Phil Visu. My man, Shane, is in the building as well. Shane, what the hell have you been up to? It's been like a month, bro. Yeah, yeah, I know. But even though uh, it's been a little while since we did one of these, we're on 13 now. So we're starting mm-hmm. to cook. Uh, man, I've been up to a lot. I think uh, I don't think we've spoken since TwitchCon. I I saw on your on your story the next day that you were at the same party, the Phase Clan Moonpay Travis Scott party. Uh, oh yeah, we didn't I run into there, each other, yeah. and we didn't run Somehow, into each other, which was which was disappointing. Uh, yeah, but no, that was cool. Um, I haven't been back to TwitchCon since like my Luminosity days, I guess. And uh, it was a very very different ball game, you know. To humble brag, we've got Kai obviously in AMP and. I uh, felt yeah. like a bit of the bell of the ball, you know, it was like the red carpet getting rolled out everywhere. So it was a good event. But for me, more importantly, from like a business perspective, actually, I didn't even plan this, but uh, we had our, our new apparel partner who's out in Cali. He was like, oh, I'm going to bring you down some samples. And I figured like, you know, one of each product just to kind of feel it, look at the quality. And uh, all of a sudden, like six boxes of stuff showed up. And so oh, we wow. brought it up. We, 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 we checked it out, whatever. We went up to Kai's room. Uh, they were having a meeting. Uh, you know, Rage and Bruce and, a, and some of the other big creators were in that same meeting. And I messaged the, you know, the, the AMP group afterwards. I said, by the way, I laid out all the merch in Kai's room. If you guys want to go check it out. Um, and that was the night of the party, the Travis Scott at FaZe Clan party. And uh, I had no idea, but I guess everyone went up there, liked it, threw it on. You know, there was no coercion whatsoever, but everyone showed up to, well, we went to a dinner first with FaZe at Nobu and everyone rolled in wearing AMP on their chest. And I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is big. We're about to, we're about to hit this uh, major industry event party. Going to be lots of cameras and uh, we've got not only AMP members, but uh, other huge creators you know, wearing our brand on their chest. That's huge for us. So uh, that was a really cool moment. Honestly, uh, I had people coming up to me, What you know, uh, one of the guys in, in the crew, um, you know, I don't want to name drop too much, but uh, he's in the music industry. All of a sudden he, he threw, I think it was something like 10, 10K in the air and it was just raining money. And we had our photographer and we got these amazing shots of all these bills falling down and just, you know, commanded a lot of attention. And I had people coming up uh, all night being like, what a brand launch, what a brand launch. And I'm in my, I'm like whispering, I'm like, we kind of got lucky on this one, to be honest. Had no idea Apparel <laughs> Partner was going to bring this much stuff. You know, had I asked all the guys to wear it to the club that night, they would have not, you know, intentionally. And so the fact that it all happened kind of organically like that uh, was really awesome. But, you know, we like to talk a lot about the behind the scenes. I'd say, you know, probably after 2K, the thing we've talked about the most on this podcast is, you know, how to you know, do things in the industry on the business side of things, right? How to get started oh, in yeah. the industry, you know, how it all works. And uh, so, Figured I'd share that story with you all because it was something that's happened since we met last. That was pretty cool for me, you know, even having done this as long as I have. What about you? You've also been on the road, man. It seems like you're flying around like COVID is officially over and the industry is active again, right? <laughs> yeah, it feels like it, right? I mean, obviously, you know, precautions where where it needs be. But yeah, I've been on the move again. I mean, obviously, TwitchCon was a great event. Um, and then after TwitchCon, it's fine. I went to Paris right after TwitchCon. Uh, for an event that they had me out That's for right. for Smash, it was awesome, amazing production. I was called the Odyssey. I can't shout them out enough. That was great. And then Ludwig threw a big Smash Invitational the following weekend, so I went out to Vegas for that, and that was crazy. Uh, you know, another great event. And I just got back from Miami um, for <laughs> it was another event. So I have had, my whole October has been smothered with just travel, which has been enjoyable, obviously, but. You know, I'm going to enjoy this next two weeks off or so that I get to just kind of chill and relax and obviously 
going to get back to, to some content that I enjoy doing, like our podcast right here. And um, obviously, too, you know I've been away, Shane. I haven't had a chance to be putting in my orders, my orders for food. I got it queued up right now, bro. I got it queued <laughs> up right now. Pokey Tiki, my favorite pokey place around here. I'm ordering the Unagi Bowl, which is eel, for those of you who are not educated. Oh, man. Not only uh, mm-hmm. are you constantly eating pokey which is probably healthier than what i'm gonna get you're also going with eel that's <laughs> I, I you know eel's one of those ones where i just almost can't even bring, like i know i've tried it because it's on a lot of the mm-hmm. like when you get those sushi like mixed platters it's on a lot of those yeah. so I'm, i know it's been in those before and i and i just have it in my head that i don't like it but i actually have no idea what it tastes like it just sounds weird to eat you know eel it's just like a mental good, bro yeah nah they prepare it very good it's just trust me just trust me yeah, yeah. all right get i'll give it a chance. shot it's hey, fine. listen, man. I thought oxtail sounded weird until I ate it, and uh, that's delicious. Delicious. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I got that's Chris in Chris in AMP. He's always trying to push me to eat things. So he's he's adamant. I got to try fufu with him, which I still don't even know what it is. But I've never had the pleasure. Of that. I'll let you update us on that on the next podcast. Uh, for <laughs> sure. What are you good. ordering for this one? What, what's got? Uh, so I think I mentioned in the last one I moved uh, moved back like 200 yards from where I grew up, uh, which is nice and fun. It's you know I'm in like a total suburban neighborhood and you know yep. down the street from my my sister and her kids and uh, you know we see them a lot and I feel like I've finally you know settled into middle age here. Uh, but it's cool, man. I, I, another side story. We went out Halloween uh, with all of them, and there's this one street in the neighborhood that just goes like all out, and uh, they get a thousand kids down this one stretch. Uh, it's pretty wild, and it was fun to be a part of. I don't have kids yet, but you know, my fiance, she's all over me about it. You know what? I've just decided I'm going to get Thai pad Thai. Can't go wrong. I had a smoothie for breakfast. Haven't eaten anything since. I've been in back to backs leading into this, so uh, I got a feeling. I got a craving for some carbs. Shout out Uber Eats. Yeah, my Uber Pass came in handy again. You know, I think we should only be probably talking about the positive things, but the reality is everyone knows in the world of meal delivery, sometimes things can go wrong. And I had a restaurant where things went wrong the other day. And just having that like priority support and stuff like that was always, you know, it's always low stress, right? You know, they're always going to take care of you. And so shout out Uber Pass. You get your delivery for free, you know, beyond a certain threshold, lots of other monthly perks. And so, um, as I always say, I've been an Uber Pass subscriber since long before we were doing this podcast. And uh, I don't plan on canceling oh, yeah. my subscription anytime soon now uber eats gets it done man we certainly appreciate that now uh, shane i did mention how i was in vegas a couple weeks ago for an event but you know what this time we brought vegas to us okay mr joe vegas is actually our guest for today's episode which i'm pretty hyped about i know you too have a little bit of a past as well which we could touch on so we can bring joe in right now switch over to that three box that would be amazing there he is waiting patiently joe vegas my guy how you doing today bro can't complain. I'm just mad that I didn't get to put it in my Uber Eats order. Like, what's up? We got oh, Ty God. over here. We got eel. And I'm just like, oh, I'm eating air. Hey, hey, unless unless the operations have fallen apart since since I left full time, the plan before was that the guests get an Uber Eats gift card. So you'll have to hit up Johnny on the mic. We're exposing him right now. But that was definitely the plan. It was all our guests come on. They get an Uber Eats gift card. Pretty substantial one, too. So they're always taking care oh. of us. I appreciate that. No, yeah, no, yeah. it means a lot. We actually, um, you were talking about the um, Eats Pass, the, something my girlfriend and I have as well, uh, because she doesn't believe in having anything delivered. She does not believe in paying for delivery whatsoever. So it could be anything, <laughs> buying something from Home Depot, etc. So 
you know, for us having something like that is nice because, okay, she's not technically paying for delivery anymore. It's, you know, a lot more beneficial, worthwhile. <laughs> so she's not like, oh, well, we could just go out and get, no, I just want to stay in my pajamas. I just want to just sit at home and eat this, you know? So it I is great. That. I really do love it. That is an interesting belief to carry. Not not, not believing in in, uh, in delivery fees. Well, she hey. must hate the mailman. <laughs> wait, wait, oh, does the mailman whenever... charge you? Well, it's a delivery service. Yeah, but it's free. I mean, you pay for it in your taxes. Yeah, yeah. We got to hold. We got to hold ourselves accountable here. (laughs) Anyway, Joe, man, good to have you on. Uh, We were just connecting before this, um, and you know, I know that we had had some some history together, and it's it's so funny. I think like we've already opened up the show by talking a little bit about the behind the scenes of what Phil and I have been up to, you know, in in the world of. you know, gaming, esports, content creation, it's all kind of muddled into one now, obviously. Um, but I think you had, uh, you and I had an experience together that we were just catching up on because I really didn't recall in detail. Uh, but I think it's something that probably a lot of people might like to hear and, and could potentially relate to because uh, we know there's a lot of people out there. And, and again, one of the topics we touch on a lot in this podcast is how to get a foot in the door, you know, in esports and gaming. The 2K League, one of the coolest things about it is the opportunities that it's created for people who weren't necessarily like esports endemic, but who were specific to 2K and are now finding opportunities in the NBA and in supporting companies and services and stuff like that. Um, and so let's tell that story. So for years, uh, as you know, everyone who's been paying attention, you know, for the last few years knows I was uh, running the, the team operations and helping draft the players and all that. And I, you know, didn't know 2K. I came from an esports background. And so I would always hire these offseason analysts to help. Uh, and I'll let you share it from, from your perspective. But what I will tee up is um, this was my second year using draft analysts. And uh, I kind of learned like you've got to, you know, create some structure to the you know, what you're going to get back from your analysts, because if you leave everybody up to their own devices, you know, the information that comes back might not be totally usable. And so anyway, I, I, uh, I told you, I probably set some pretty high uh, standards for what I was expecting back. And uh, it sounds like you got in your head a little bit about it. But, you know, I think the moral of the story that we're going to land on here is, you know, not to let one missed opportunity or one mistake kind of weigh you down. Just, you know, keep your head down, keep working. I've said it a couple of times in the past, but like the most common insight I've picked up on from other people who have started businesses, had success, et cetera, who, I'm, who I've followed is how important perseverance is, right? So I'll, I'll turn it over to you, but to set the stage, I hired an, a small army of analysts. You were among them. You were looking for a foot in the door. You'd been kind of making some noise about having career aspirations in and around the league on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you take it from there and then I can chime in, you know, whenever it makes sense to. Of course, this was probably, I would have to say my first year in the league. So it was going into my first pre-draft, um, going through just being an analyst. I was a part of the community, but I really started getting more into the 2K league scene that you know year. So while I'm getting used to the prospects and you know, uh, getting more involved overall, Shane winds up reaching out to me like, hey, you know, I heard you were someone who is very knowledgeable of the community. I would love to bring you on as an analyst. And for me, this is my first big shot. This is the first time I've ever had true interaction, more than just a little mini interview that I've used for a podcast with a 2K League you know, coach GM organization. So for me, I'm like, wow, this is a big moment. This is a big moment. Um, of course, going through, hey, you want to go over these prospects, you want a list, organize them, break it down. And for me, of course, it's what I'm good at. I love breaking down film. I love just describing analysts, uh, describing analysts, describing prospects, making sure you know, of course, anything with 
down to the nitty gritty of personality details, social media, etc. So I wound up just like how I do with everything, going crazy, going full face forward into it. And as I get closer to the end, I'm like, this is not good enough. This is not what a pro needs. This is not what a pro league team. This is, uh, what am I doing? What am I doing here? Uh, I don't belong. And it's just the shred of doubt just slowly started to encompass me, especially at this moment that I've wanted for so long to the point where I didn't even turn it in. Like, it's just, it was bad. And it's, I, I was speaking to Shane about this a little bit earlier. It's, it's probably the worst moment in my 2K League career, hands down. It's just that moment of one, not even being able to turn in the work that I know that was good, but I just couldn't mentally, I didn't believe it was good enough. I didn't think it was up to standards. And the worst part is, of course, this is season three. So the Raptors wind up going 60 to no, they wound up winning their two banners, all this, and it's just insult to injury, salt in the wounds, salt in the wounds. Um, and it really took me a long time to really get over that. But I was grateful for that moment because it allowed me to realize that, hey, you know, sometimes you just have to turn it in. You just have to get the work done. But even just learning from that process, learning from how Shane wanted to do it, it allowed me to take that and take, um, you know, just that standard and bring it to the Wolves next year when I was brought on, which allowed me to, of course, wind up becoming an assistant coach and social media manager and really setting my career off. So I'm grateful for the lesson. Of course, didn't wish it ended that way, but overall, you know, I'm grateful for the experience. And, and, you know, from my POV, uh, again, I'd, I'd probably hired about six people or so to, to do this, right? And and I kind of knew uh, from the past I wanted to cast a wide net. There were always so many varying opinions. And, and some of the stuff was kind of, there was um, community approval, right? So there was like just kind of established norms of, you know, who everyone believed were the top prospects at, at various positions. And so by getting like a wide sampling of, of opinion, you could find those little like recurring uh, anomalies, mm -hmm. right? If you see all of a sudden two, three people who seem really credible are saying something that's going against the narrative on Twitter or in the, you know, in the mock drafts, that might be something worth looking into. And so that was kind of my approach. And so from my POV, you know, again, your name was now familiar, you know, we had engaged in this way, we had, we had, you know, ultimately taken you, you know, hired you for some, for some, you know, contractor work. Um, and I remember that there were some analysts who either never turned in work or sort of missed the mark on it or whatever, but I don't actually remember who. And I think this is a lesson for everyone. You know, I use this term, a friend of mine said it to me once you know, years ago, and it's stuck with me. It's like, we all have this main character syndrome. You know what I mean? You feel like you're you're stuck in your own head so much you feel like everybody is thinking about you as intensely as you're thinking about you or, or an interaction you had. Yeah. And the reality is that person's more so focused on their own POV than they are on you. Mm -hmm. So don't let it weigh you down. You know, don't let it, you know, the worst thing that could have happened from that is you were like, oh God, I screwed up. I'm so embarrassed. I have to delete my account and, you know, leave the 2K league in my dust. You know, I, I messed it up. So good job <laughs> keeping your head down. You, like you said, you got that gig next year with, uh, with the T-Wolves and you've been involved in the league ever since. Of course, yeah, and grateful. And like you said, definitely a little bit of the main character syndrome, um, more so just like you said, getting in your own head, especially nowadays when it comes to just mental health. And this is right before the pandemic. This is not even as the pandemic is going on. So, you know, just dealing with all of that, it's something I had to come to grips with personally, but I definitely use that as a lesson to work harder with everything I do. And I know that that feeling I felt in that moment is something I never want to experience ever again in this league. And I've experienced losing now. I've experienced losing on stage. I've experienced <laughs> getting swept. I've experienced a lot of different things. So none of them, you know, equate to that moment, though.
Yep. Yeah, the, uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the most important developments in this like conversation we all have now on social media around mental health is like by everybody being so open and transparent, you realize that everyone's going through the same thing. Like, I think it can be a very isolating experience to be in your own head all the time and dealing with your own pressures and anxieties and stresses. And, and I can tell you, even those who on the outside maybe seem most composed, most successful, you know, everyone's dealing with it. You know, as you achieve some, you know, goal, you have some milestone, some level of success. It's not that all of a sudden you feel completely content and fulfilled. It's just that the thing changes. The thing that you, you know that causes you concern, anxiety changes, um, and you know I think it, you know the people who do well are the ones who learn how to kind of develop thick skin and, and battle through that stuff. You know what I mean? And just realize that it's always going to be that way. You've got to find ways to compartmentalize it. Meditation's helped a lot for me. You know, able to realize like this stress is real and it's not going anywhere. But no one's coming and pulling me out of my bed in the middle of the night. You know what I mean? I'm waking up tomorrow morning. I'm eating my breakfast. I'm walking my dog. Like, you know, there may be some pressure. There may be an angry email here or there. If anything, if you know, some expectation is missed, but that's the extent of it. You know what I mean? It's not going to actually hurt you. Anyway, I think that was a great little walk down memory lane and, and perhaps a lesson that's somewhat on brand for this podcast. Uh, so hopefully, you know, people who are aspiring to get into the league who might be, you know, core to this audience uh, can take something from that. Just keep your head down. Keep persevering. Yeah, that's real facts right sure. there. I mean, really, too, like, I mean, Joe, since you kind of overcame all that and you're, like, obviously, like, very well ingrained in the 2K League right now, like, what, what what's, like, the end game for you, bro? Like, what is, what is it all building to? Like, what do you have any kind of goals? I mean, he's going to be around for a long time, so it is kind of curious to me, like, what people are trying to get out of it fully. So, of course, um, the end goal for sure is to be the general manager or somebody in charge on the operation side for an organization, either esports or NBA, whatever organization gives me that opportunity. But of course, you have to start, you know, working your way up. So first stop is the head coach. I believe that my experience, not only with Team Handles this past season with their V3, uh, working with yep. women in gaming, which is something I'm really big in, um, and just a plethora of other opportunities that I've been a part of, Team DR. The list goes on, T-Wolves. I feel that I've learned a lot from all of these different cultures, all of these different sort of systems that have allowed me to pick and choose what I truly like and don't like and mesh it into my personal culture. And I feel that I am ready. I, it might not be the easiest of things because I don't think anybody's truly ever ready, but as far as the confidence in knowing exactly what to do, how to go about the day-to-day -day operations of a 2K League franchise and organization, I think I'm getting there. But the end goal definitely would be running a team itself. So, so yeah, talk about that. You, so you, you were the coach for team handles. I think for anyone who, who isn't aware for the first time this year, the 2k league had basically like an open amateur bracket for three V three where uh, teams could get into the 2k league three V three tournaments. And so you Didn't guys won the second? open. What's that? Then handles get second. Your squad got second, right? No, no. So um, they won the open. No, I think that, you won the open amateur, and then you lost in the actual switch, right? To to the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes. the open, okay. So the open amateur was, and that's where you guys won the twenty five k. Is that what it was? Mm -mm. We won the twenty five k on stage. We're the twenty five k has nothing to do with the open amateur. If we talk about the open amateur and everything else, handles is probably closer to forty five, if not fifty thousand. Plus, oh, wow. um, just from all of the moves that not elite shooter Kaze and Miami have made over the course of that year, uh, they are talented individuals. I do have to say, and it was an honor coaching them. They really have become brothers to me. 
Awesome. And not a, not elite shooter. I just met him uh, on Sunday. I was at uh, our Scout the North event. Agent was there casting it. Awesome event. So for, again, for anyone who missed it, I'm sure, you know, the core audience who's listening to this probably is well aware, but our Scout the North tournament, it's our, it's our NBA 2K League draft eligibility tournament. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, from the outset, the idea was make it a ca- Canadians only tournament, right? Make it the one tournament that can kind of cast a spotlight on Canadian players. And I can honestly say, I do think that it has worked. I think that, you know, having Canadian players be able to get to that point of being able to say that they won or made it to the finals of a 2K League draft eligibility tournament has put some people on the radar. And I now see them on teams that are competing in, you know, the, the continent wide, you know, teams or tournaments run by the, the U.S. based teams. So I feel like, you know, the effort is paying off. Um, I had never heard of Not Elite Shooter prior to this, but he came in and swept the finals uh, of the event. So talk to us, like, is he a Toronto based uh, player? And, you know, kind of where's he come from? What's his history with the game? So he's more so uh, closer to, I believe, Ontario, um, around that area. Uh, I remember because he usually had to fly from the Ontario airport to the Toronto airport, then to Indy. So there have been a lot all, of... All our, all our Canadian listeners, listeners are cringing right now, just so you know. So just so you know, just so we get our geo right, Ontario is like a state. We call it a province. So it would be like oh, Texas apologies. versus Toronto is Austin. No need to apologize. Oh, yeah. So, But he's from Ontario. So he. I know that there were some guys who came in from Ottawa. I'm sure Johnny's listening, like screaming. He's from, you know, wherever he's actually from. Point being, he's a Canadian um, and uh, and is you know seemingly holding his own. Uh, at the North American pro level, which is which is awesome. What do you think about his prospects for the league this year? I love him. I'm I'm a big fan, and not even just the personal bias. Just looking at his work ethic, um, the way he goes about things, very similar mindset. Hates to lose. He wants to constantly get better. Um, after every series, five v five or three v three, he's calling me. Yo, Joe, can we run over film? I feel like I really messed up here. I need to work on defense. How can I work on scoring? Can we work on film so we can go over passing vision, looking at what I should be looking at in the situation coming up the court um, and how to really manipulate this defense? He's a very hardworking guy, um, somebody who's very level-headed, somebody that I really had a pleasure of coaching. Uh, And skill-wise, I think that he's really just scratching the surface when it comes to 5v5, but 3v3, I don't think there are many others that are better than him in NA, in you know, the United States, across the pond, wherever. I think he's one of the best to do it when it comes to 3v3. And I think he can make a team very, very happy, whoever decides to select him this upcoming draft. So you think he's a primary guard shooting? Like, what is he in the league? Uh, He's a combo. So I believe, personally, I think that he can be a great point guard, but he has to have the confidence in himself to get there. And we understand that, especially when it comes to 3v3 guards translating over to the 5v5 side, it takes a little bit of time for them to get the reads because they're two additional people on Mm -hmm. each side. So for him, I think it's good for him to start out as a shooting guard where he's still looking to, okay, I can still facilitate at this role where it's like having an additional point guard out there. And as he continues to build up, he can switch over to that point guard role eventually once he gets confident in himself and understands the landscape a little bit more. I like that. You heard it here. Not elite shooter. If you're a draft analyst, GM, coach, take a look. I'm always going to be rooting for the Canadians in the draft, no doubt about it. So whether it's uh, Toronto or elsewhere, hopefully we see not elite shooter getting his name called on draft night. Yeah, fingers crossed. Sub two, uh, as well as native, all phenomenal people that I had the chance to meet in Indy. Uh, I think they are very talented individuals. So it would be exciting to watch all of them. I was in your chat just going crazy, just watching them. Like, yeah, like granted, I, 
it was more so of trolling them like hey guys we know you're really good we know this is your game mode if you lose then we're definitely you know <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna you know take some jabs but uh letting them know their expectations Oh, of course. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were doing coming into this. I like that. I, I think that's all. I mean, stuff like that is just kind of helps even build more so to the excitement that will be season six. I know that's coming up. And, uh, I, you know, I've been keeping up on Twitter and stuff like that. I saw a couple of retentions some you know, kind of uh, some announcements with new coaches, some surprise retiring and stuff like that. Like, you know, what to you, Joe, has, has kind of stood out for the offseason that's kind of taken you aback the most? I think for me, it's definitely – day fry retiring i mean i get it you get to go back to to texas and, and coach right like that's a really good situation you accomplished damn through everything in the league so i don't know this has been a lot of a lot of stuff popping off man what's really stood out to you no you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one day fry retiring and then a day later being announced as the mavs gaming new head coach is nuts that is just i i'm trying to find the equivalent of something in sports and it's very difficult to do such a thing yep. when you have your best player ever in the 2k league retiring in his prime to go coach and now he has to take that step back he's not the one holding the sticks anymore he's not the one playing center he has to coach up a whole new center so imagine being that new center that gets drafted to mavs gaming or if it's jerry who's still going to be there that's a lot of pressure and for day fry granted he comes from the baseball background he comes from a little bit more of a coaching background he, he of course knows 2k better than anybody in this world i it's going to be fun watching him learn how to take that step back and how to motivate and get the most out of his players where he can't just step in and do it for them because we saw time yeah. and time again last year with the wizards where he stepped up to play point guard in 3v3 uh he made tremendous amount of plays in 5v5 where they wound up moving more of their sets to punch sets where he would actually be the facilitator going into them and allowing b rich and cap to move a little bit more off ball to move the defense a little bit more so it's going to be very exciting to see how he looks to motivate their players and as well as the wizards what do they do next because it's really the end of an era. Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, um, you mentioned you know how surprising it is to hear you know he, him retire and then the next day announced as as Mavs GM. Um, you may have caught wind of rumors. You know, I I had heard from uh, some folks on our side that they kind of uh, had caught wind that that might be happening, and so it was less surprising to me. But still, um, I think the flag that he's in the prime of his career. I I wonder if JBM doesn't retire and that Wizards team still has some more tournament wins and you know some big bags ahead of them if he sticks it out a little bit longer. Longer. you know there's the like career stability thing you know the salary stability aspect of you know working for an organization where you know those paychecks are hitting the same every two weeks uh versus the variability of being a player in the league and you know obviously the wizards having been the most dominant team for two seasons you know they they uh stole my ring from me in season three and uh you know then went on and did it again and you know when i think when you when you have that level of success you know for 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 day fry too you you it's it's good to strike while the iron's hot right he is coming off you know he's, he's currently probably regarded as as the best or certainly one of the best players to ever do it in the league and um you know eat a goat yeah, he, yeah, to capitalize on that and go down to Dallas. And, and listen, dude, I you know, even going back to season one when there was this like dimes versus day fry and you know it was who's toxic, you know, etc. Uh, I always just had like incredible respect for the way that Day Fry did what he did, right? Because like he would trash talk with the best of them, but it was in a really competitive, just about the game type of way. You know what I mean? It was like you know, because they're you know, you're you're I'm young, I'm super 
you know, passionate about my guys. I want to have their back. And like, there were some guys who would just st- stand up and chirp across that stage. And I, you know, it would get under my skin, you know, I'd be like wanting to like, you know, you know, yell back, but had to control myself. And with Dave Fry, it was never like that. You know what I mean? It was like, he was strategic. He was calculated with what he was doing. He was getting into your, into our players' heads, but he never crossed that line. And so I think he's just got like the, he's always shown the perfect balance of competitiveness with professionalism. And, and I hope that that, yeah. you know, carries him well into this role with the Mavs. And I, I hope, you know, 10 years from now, he's like the, you know, the guy running that, uh, that whole program for them. That'd be awesome. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to watch his growth. So it's going to be sick. Well, you know what? You mentioned Dimes too. So why did Dimes not get retained? Anybody answer Ooh. that question for me? Didn't that guy win MVP? I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was surprised too after, you know, you know, finals MVP, all that. I mean, I had a couple conversations with uh, Kenny and some of the guys too. I was like, you know, like despite how things played out here, I've always liked Dimes, you know, and I know like to the 2K league is who he is, right? Like you, you hate to see, you know, those guys who care so much, who work as hard as he does, you know, missing out on opportunities. And I was like, this is awesome. Like now he's got a team, you know, he's, he's certainly like, you know, a lot, you know, added some longevity to his playing career, you know, et cetera. Um, but to not be protected, yeah. Do you think that's coming just after the the, the draft? Like, was there any? Was, what was the penalty? Because I had thought I had heard that there was no penalty for protecting more players before the expansion draft. But uh, yeah, sh- fill that in for us, Joe. R- regardless of the penalty, you know what your thoughts were on dimes not being protected, and may, what so you may have heard it, as to why. It was one of those things. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, when last year, when the Bucks wound up trading up one pick to number two to get Cooks Iverson. Uh, trading with the Cavs that year, we knew exactly, hey, the, the Bucks are all in right now. They don't mm. have this first-round pick the following year, so they're not going to be able to retain four. Um, and for them, going into this, now winning, they had to go two and two, where, of course, they had to protect two people ahead of expansion. And then, most likely, there is a player from that team being picked in expansion. So, of course, they're hoping that one player gets picked, they're able to bring back potentially the other two, and they're just looking to fill one piece and continue to go on from that championship run. But it, it does suck because that team was really starting to get, you know, get good and just start to gel together. You see the confidence. They were really enjoying playing with each other. Granted, of course, every team has their issues, but it would have been fun to watch that full five be able to run it back and protect, you know, protect their chip because they, mm. I feel they deserve it. But it's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, when it comes to the 2K League. Man, me and Dirk been saying since season one, if the team won, they should be able to keep everybody together. Keep everybody, yeah, run it back. I like that rule. That's a cool little rule. Yeah, that's a great, that's a godlike rule. Like that, they're every, every single one of them is a champion. They should be able to defend that together. However, okay. So you're saying then, but, but, but the, the only problem, I guess, then is from an asset management perspective, because technically assets were used to do trades in the seasons before, right? I mean, I guess you're right. It, it, I think it could just circumvent. At the end of the day, you just need five players to carry over onto each team. So it shouldn't really yeah. mess up how many spots mm-hmm. there are or anything like that. I, I think that'd be cool. So Phil and I just exposed our uh, lack of being completely tapped in, you know, beat reporters in the 2K League because I thought the same thing, <laughs> Phil, when I saw that that the Bucks didn't protect them. And I went to Dime's Twitter to see, like, what, what he was saying about it. And the only thing I could find was that he was still kind of promoting their draft eligibility tournament. So I figured things were good. And I had in the back of my mind, oh, this might just be a post uh, uh, post-expansion uh, draft type situation. Mm-hmm. But then I also thought I had heard just from, you know, my role with the Raptors still that it wasn't going to cost anything to protect more people. That might have just been 
related to our situation. Um, you know, we also went all in on the season, right? We also used our first um, to get Saint. Um, we've obviously brought him back. You know, Saint's a great talent, um, and we love having him here in Toronto. So no regrets there. But there was definitely a, a lot of confidence when we looked down the depth chart, right? And you know, in hindsight, look how well Dimes did. You know, this is a great example of like sometimes what, what you know, the skill on paper won't necessarily translate to in-game results. I mean, this is like the perfect yeah. case study for that, right? Like a guy who I argued, you know, all offseason I thought could come in at center and just do his thing for us. Um, and, you know, not that I was arguing against people who were disagreeing necessarily, but I was just a believer. I looked at this, this thing. I'm like, this is a little weird, but let's get this young dribble god scoring threat, you know, point guard. Let's put wise Kenny at the two. He can create space. He can help coach. You know, let's put Dimes, who's got that 2K IQ at center, and he can kind of be like the, the, the positional leader on defense, the floor general on defense. And I think on paper, it made a lot of sense. But, you know, this this league, it's not always just going to be, you know, stacking people who make sense at each position. It's There's got to be chemistry. It's got to be trust and teamwork yep. and all that. Right. Which is true in every video game. I'd say every sport, too. See it all the time where a guy in the in the NBA you know, kind of has a down season and then just change the scenery and all of a sudden, boom, right back to the top again, right? You think they were on yeah. their swan song oh, yeah. and instead it's rejuvenated. Of course. And Dude, I think it's just I, more I, so... Of, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. Yeah, no, no, please. continue, Joe. Go, go, go. <laughs> Phil's a pro, Joe. Saying, You're the guest. He'll let you go and then he'll he'll no, remember I mean, his point for after. He does this stuff all the time. That's why we pay all him. Right. Like, keeps me That's on the rails. I love it. Yeah. Um, I was, well, hopefully I don't forget my point now. Um, I was <laughs> as far as, I think it's just more so the system and that's just a credit to Lance and much, much. To oh, you hear that? He's taking shots at that. the system, Kev. <laughs> no, 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 not, not, not even Kev. Like just the way they utilized him a little bit more. Whereas you guys look more of a traditional high pick and roll, like pick and roll, you know, allowing Fanta to play where he's more comfortable, where mm-hmm. for, you know, with the Bucks. They allowed Dimes to utilize his passing vision because Cooks, while he was a great facilitator, um, and I think this is the biggest difference between a fan and a Cooks, where Cooks isn't the biggest dribble head. He's somebody who's, all right, I'm going to throw up the free board if I need to. I'm going to look to facilitate. I'm, but if my shot's open, I am going to kill you. Like, I am going to take the shot. I am going to score. It's going to be, you know. Don't sleep on me. Um, while Fana is still, we talk about the translation from 3v3 to 5v5. I think sometimes when watching him, it was just the additional dribble that sometimes messed him up, which kept the delay from him being able to pull the shots because I think he was getting there and you saw him develop tremendously as the season went on. It just sucks that in this league, we're not able to truly have player development because mm-hmm. we're, you have five picks. When now, when now, if you're not good enough, yep. okay, we might have to move on yep. and continue going. But it's still a credit to Fano for coming in, not with much 5v5 experience, doing what he did this year. But I, I really think that, because you have some great pieces. I do have to say, having Type, Saint, and Kenny, I love the retention picks. I think you have one of the best three right there, just defensively, um, with your retainments. Of course, Kenny, former DPOI candidate, Saint, one of the best defensive players I've seen. Uh, and then Type, I mean, He's always going to be the DPOI in my book, even though he didn't get it technically, but he's always going to be that to me. And I think that you have a phenomenal defensive effort. I think it's going to be fun to watch wherever Kenny plays. It's kind of like that uh, fun offseason game. Oh, what position will Kenny play next? Um, and <laughs> I, just seeing where you guys go with it, because it makes the Raptors a very tricky team to plan for, to scout for, um, to even figure out who they potentially are going to draft because you have so many players who can play multiple positions. And that's something I really love about Raptors GC 2K and 2K basketball. 
Yeah, well, it's too bad we can't wave a magic wand and have this core and also have the first that we would have, what I think is seventh overall, because um, that would be pretty pretty interesting. But again, you know, no regrets because that first is what brought Saint over here. And, um, you know, I think he's he's a great player. And, you know, I, I think you, you kind of nailed it as well. You know, Type also this year had to switch around, play the four, et cetera. And so I, I look forward to seeing him. I know he's locking in uh, at the five. And, you know, almost you know necessarily, I, I like that there was no question about where Kenny should play technically, right? And I'm at arm's length enough that I don't feel like I'm revealing any secrets or anything like that. And everyone who's paying attention to Kenny's Twitter and what's going on in Pro-Am can see he's locking in at guard. Um, but it's, it's you know, it'll be exciting to see those guys go back to their kind of core positions. And I think you're right. I think we have one of the best uh, locks in Saint. And, you know, no team is perfect. There's always going to be, you know, different types of personalities and, you know, whatnot. Uh, but we've got three guys who are happy to be here, who are mature, who are competitive, who I have seen. I mean, Kenny really, Kenny's developed, don't get me wrong, but he came into the league like wise beyond his years. You know, he's been like the wily old vet since, you know, season one. Um, but the way that types develop, that story has been well chronicled on this podcast. Like, you know, he is just like, uh, you know, a professional's professional now. Um, and same thing with Saint, like bought in, locked in, competitive. Yeah, he shows his passion, his frustration from time to time. But man, what a frustrating season our season we just had was. You know, I feel like everyone just got good at dealing with frustrations, dealing with disappointment, loss, you know, et cetera. Uh, and with just, you know, a little more success, I'd love to see how that might snowball based on, I think, how stable these guys are. Be interesting to see what uh, new coach Roy does with the assets he has to put the two key pieces in place around them, right? We need uh, another guard and, uh, and, and a power forward, presuming that, you know, guys play their core positions as we know that almost never happens exactly as you might think at this point in the off season right it seems like every week things are still changing but uh what do, what do you know how do you do you know roy like what, what do you think about that uh that pickup you're obviously you're on our pod so you're on the spot but uh we like to keep, let it fly and keep it raw and real so yeah what's, what what if any experience do you have with roy and what do you think about that pickup for us uh, as coach so i actually met roy uh way back with uh upa the first ever unified pro-am the dallas event where he was coaching liquid pro-am and at first this is when a lot of community coaches on the pro-am side were still coming up were wondering like, what is this liquid what 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 is this liquid biomechanics I'm like is this like liquid i thought it was team liquid brand? like the esports like, yeah, yeah that's team, what i thought too and i'm like brand initially i'm like are, yeah, yeah. Are, are they ripping off a brand and then it's like, oh no 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 it's liquid biomechanics oh okay okay cool you know i get it um but just watching how they came in and they prepared for that event looking at Roy where while the game's going on, having his laptop and going through, looking at the analytics, um, just watching the numbers, him crunching some, inputting some information live and drawing up whatever to be like, hey, spam, you need to do X, Y, Z. Uh, and for me, I love that to see a coach and somebody using analytics, because of course in this, we'll be real. In this community, a lot of people aren't the biggest fan of analytics. They're always like, oh, well, numbers don't tell anything. It's the eye test. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. And it's a video game about basketball. If analytics are successful in the actual NBA, wouldn't analytics be successful in a video game that's derived from the NBA or derived from the sport? So most people 
don't look at it that way. But this is where I think Roy's true value lies. I think that he, of all people, is really going to be able to help get the best out of someone like a Kenny, get the best out of a Saint, get the best out of a type. Saint, one of the best offensive locks out there. I, I'm really excited um, watching Roy with the Liquid team, watching Roy with the Mavs, um, and looking at how he went about his playbook and getting his power forwards and locks a little bit more involved, the shots. I'm ecstatic to see how he's going to use Saint because Saint is not just a traditional corner shooter. You should not just use Saint as a corner shooter. He needs to be flaring up. He needs to be able to create a little bit of movement, a little bit of off-ball decks, screens so he can come up, maybe potentially run a little bit of overloads at the top, different looks to allow your best players to be able to utilize their best skill sets. And I think that having someone like Roy is going to really help this team. So I think it's a phenomenal hire. Congratulations to him, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Congrats to him. He's he's made a great impression on uh, on all of us. Uh, you know, since he got here, I'll share a story because we always let it fly here. It's a war story. So we were uh, trying to work out the trade uh, early on in the season with the Mavs, um, and uh, we we hopped on and we were talking stats. You know, uh, Roy introduced himself right out of the gate as being you know really focused statistician, and that was sort of what he did. I struggle with that word. That was what he was kind of brought into the Mavs for. And listen, we've been. Telling the stat story over here at Raptors Uprising since the beginning. We've been partnered with IBM. They've been helping us with draft prep. Um, we've had some really successful drafts and we've discovered some things. You know, I think famously we told the story about how when Jerry wanted us to draft his brother and nobody was talking about his brother, um, you know, we were able to compare combine data against everybody else playing at that position and see that this guy was performing above the average, right? And we were talking about our last overall pick. It was our sixth man at that point. Um, and so we didn't necessarily need to see that he was, you know, top three at his position, but we wanted to know that statistically he was at least competing above the average of the draft pool and he was right quite by quite a bit mm -hmm. so we used that to give us confidence to make that pick and when what happened with Juan happened and we lost our our starting power forward you know we subbed him in and we went undefeated and you know won two tournaments and lost in the finals to to you know the the wizard so he he certainly delivered and held his own so point being we've been focused on and telling the story about stats for a long time and for all the reasons you articulated I 100% believe that you know with a video game where it's all one and zeros you should be able to generate insights the challenge and this is what i argued with roy in our trade talk conversation with the 2k league is the variance in the game year over year and so I think where the stats for 2K League players become really interesting is when you see consistency game over game over game. I think what it shows is like adaptability, general, like overall ability to play the game regardless of what the specific nuances are. In contrast to some players who we've seen get really, really hot in one particular season of Pro-Am and then not deliver in the league because it was like some exploit that was being used in Pro-Am that really, you know, was their special move that was nerfed with the archetypes that were in the league, right? So there is a there's a challenge in um, there's a challenge in uh, you know using analytics when the game changes as much as it does year over year. But undoubtedly there are insights to be generated. You just got to think through all of those variables variables and and try to make sense of it all. So well, shout out sure. Roy, keep that's focused why, on it. I'm sure it'll lead to some good things. See, that's why I host and, and commentate and stuff. I'm not equipped to handle all the analytics and stuff. And my respect to all you guys who do that stuff because clearly you do it well. Uh, to the best of your ability so much to like so much like obviously going into season number six is gonna be crazy joe for you what would be like your number one overall prediction you know what i mean like whether it's like what new head coach might make the biggest impact what team might surprise and finally push through a win like what is your number one prediction do you see maybe taking place in season six hmm. Hmm. number one prediction um 
first and foremost, I think that we're going to have the most sort of variance and nuance when it comes to teams this year, uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to just their offenses, if, especially if you go back to season one and just seeing how basic things were compared to now. I think you're going to start to see teams actually starting to utilize all five players on their court. I think we could potentially see a little bit of five out meta, depending on if the popper is actually going to be good this year, which is going to allow a lot of different looks. But more so, I think the East is actually going to be the powerhouse this year. I know we always talk about, especially the past two years, how the West is the powerhouse. The West has always been the conference. The East is kind of there, but it's really... It's really picked up in the last year with you know, 630 being traded, now Radiant being traded over there as well. And then, of course, with the the losses on the West side, um, you know, some top players, it's looking like the East is, you know, you guys are definitely going to be in for a battle. But even then, being more battle-tested against some of these top teams is going to allow you to have that better success going forward and more credibility. So people aren't going to be like, oh, well, it's the East, they're weak. No, not this year. I think the East is actually going to be <laughs> the powerhouse. So if the Raptors at the top, that's a good thing. Yeah. And and same vein, who's the, who's the number one overall pick in the draft? You're trying to get free coaching out here, Shane. You know, you're trying to get free scouting. <laughs> I feel like no, that. No, I mean, uh, come on, everyone knows who's number one by the by draft night. Everyone knows, but, but it's early yeah, enough that I think your free. prediction might be interesting. So, who do you think? So, I personally, the number one talent is Greens, but with the Hawks getting that pick, most likely they don't need a guard, um, a point guard at least. So, it is going to be Glizzy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out them potentially trading back though, because you can mm. still especially with someone like the Grizz or the Blazers right there, three and four, potentially can look to, they want to come up to get greens where it'll allow Glizzy to still fall into your lap at three, potentially four. So it is an option that they can look at. It really just depends on what the Hawks want to do. But as far as the best fit for that team, it's definitely Glizzy. Uh, I think he's really arguably the number two prospect in this class. But yeah, we'll see, I guess. Nice. All right. Well, we'll see if that holds true. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Hawks do with that. Because as you said, you know, they don't necessarily need to be the team first up to, to pick the top top uh, guard in the draft. And oh, I don't know if you guys heard that come through my mic, but the doorbell just rang. So for those who pay attention every week, you know what that means. My Uber Eats just arrived and it's the end of the pod. Phil and I got to go eat. Phil's probably going to be waiting another 10 minutes because uh, I'm back on top again. And uh, at my new house here, the food teleports up to my room. So shout out to Uber Eats for taking care of us today uh, and sponsoring the pod so we can have these conversations. Uh, I let Phil usually do the proper sign up, but Joe, it was great to reconnect with you. Uh, again, sorry that you went through all that, uh, you know, that mental, you know, battle and heartache uh, when you were an analyst for us. You didn't have to take it that hard, um, but I'm glad that you kept your head down, persevered, and, and here you are now in the league and on the pod with us. And uh, yeah, it was great to catch up with you, man. Likewise, it was you know, it's a blast and a pleasure to finally be able to have that conversation. And, you know, even if it's on a you know public forum like this, but just to be able to have that conversation, have that message brought out to the world, I think it's definitely something needed to maybe help the next upcoming class of draft analysts and prospects. But yeah, it was a pleasure hanging with you, Shane. Of course, always a pleasure, Phil. I'm excited to watch everything that you guys continue to do in the esports landscape. So definitely, I'll just be, you know, I'll be lurking in Twitch streams. It's <laughs> good to see. Nah, you. for sure, man. We appreciate you you taking the time to come through. And, and you know, season six, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I, you know, when I went to the uh, 
I went to the All-Star game. I was like, I told TJ, man, I was like, look, you know, we could talk, man. We could talk something. You know what I'm saying? So I never ruled myself about stepping back into that 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 sphere of work because I do absolutely love the league and everybody a part of it. It's a wonderful thing. And, of course, love the podcast as well. It's been another awesome edition of the Raptors 2K podcast brought to you by Uber Eats. Again, thank you to Shane for taking some time. Our awesome guest, Joe, who we will get that Uber Eats gift card to. Don't worry about that, Joe. I do promise you. For everybody watching, make sure you comment your favorite moment, like, uh, like and subscribe. We'll certainly catch you on the next one. Take care. And, and shout out, not a least shooter from Ottawa. Johnny confirmed in the background while we were from Ottawa. That yeah, one. So Ottawa, we got to give Ottawa the props. Breeding some, breeding some of the up and coming 2K talent. Love it. Canadians in the league. We'll be rooting for them. Joe, good to see you, Phil. As always, take care, everyone.